right, here we go again. Another edition of the Dream Preview Week 2. This isn't the Picks Pod. This is the Pre-Picks Pod. Steve Fezzik in studio here with me. I'm AJ Hoffman. Uh, Steve, how was week one for you, my man? Week one was spectacular in college, where I went six and zero. Choppy in the NFL, and you know I got to be honest. I think I probably gave out some picks too early during the summer, so lost with Tennessee minus two and a half, Minnesota minus two and a half. So thought I'd gotten value with some of these teams early on, but then the story changed as the summer progressed. I think I'll be a little more careful next year. Yeah, it was a rough week one for me as well in the NFL. I mean, I, I, I but until the Raiders game. Uh, yesterday, which I or Monday, when I played the under, which looked great for 50 minutes, uh, that that gave me it left me on a losing week. So I, I did not have a winning week in the NFL. And we talked about it last week. Week one is tough. That you know we've had a full off season to sharpen these numbers, and it's it's tough to beat. You know, even the Monday night football total, where right before it kicked off, you know, it's 50 and a half to 51. And there was an outstanding, obviously, it was trending to under the whole way. And then at the end game, really good chance it was going to land exactly 51. Just stresses the importance of the good numbers Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, well, you know what? Let's, let's start with that game because you had some takeaways. Let's face it. If the Raiders found a way to lose that game, people would be questioning John Gruden. They'd question his sanity right now. I mean, there were some really odd decisions made in that game by John Gruden, and he's going to get a pass because they won. They win. And, and, and maybe he shouldn't. And I've been saying this for years. People will come look at me and they say, oh, Fez, so you think you know more than these billion-dollar corporations that, that are the NFL teams and that you're smarter than them? I'm like, I'm not smarter than them, but, but hell yes, I know more <laughs> about game decisions. You know, the best evidence I can give— is the TV show Jeopardy, which has been on for 30 years and has the smartest people in the world that are far smarter than me, and yet they'll go into Final Jeopardy and botch it every single time. Jeopardy James revolutionary, re- revolutionized the game of Jeopardy, showing how dumb all the contestants have been for 30 years. But one of the, the biggest mistakes, the first-place person is 10000 the second-place person has 6000 The first-place person will bet $2,001 100% of the time to lock out the second-place person. And yet the second-place person, despite knowing that, will bet it all such that if they both get the question wrong, he loses anyways. The only permutation he wins is he's got to get it right, and the first-place person has to get it wrong. And here's the smartest people in the world, and they can't get a very, very simple question, namely what to wager in Final Jeopardy right. How are these NFL coaches with hundreds of things going on and all the X's, O's, and the like expected to get game decisions right and I watch way more games than they do because I'm watching every game in the end game, and they're experiencing these situations maybe once a year. They never get it right. Even more frustrating is they've got people who that's their job is to tell them what the percentages are in these situations. And that's the difference. The the good coaches have someone to tell them what to do. All right. The bad coaches, ah, let me let me wing it. Let me think about whether we're yeah. going to make this or not. But but even the, yeah, the people that they hire, it's like a good old boy network. It's like Vegas used to be. Who has juice? You know, I'm gonna I'm not going to hire the math geek that I've never you know been associated with and who's never played football. I'm going to hire one of my assistant coaches and give him that responsibility. And we saw that on Monday night. We're going to talk about three specific decisions that I think were not just suspect but were horrendous. Well, let's get into them. What's the what's the first one that you saw that you scratched your head over? Number one. 37 seconds remain. Baltimore leads by three. They're kicking off. They kick off out of the end zone. That is a the just a tremendous mistake. Now, most teams kick out, kick into the end zone. The other team takes a knee, and they start on the 25. I'm perfectly fine with that. You don't want to get your players killed on special teams with all the collisions and the injuries. So this gives both teams a break, that they don't have to run the play. But it turns out— but Situationally, when it's— a game-on-the-line type kick, you you have to readjust that thing. That's right, for two reasons. One is if you kick to the f- approximate five-yard line, or at least or the two-yard line, you, the more the average field position will be less than the 25 for the returning kick, the, the team returning the kick. But the, the big edge here is that it's going to run five seconds off the clock. They have to return it. They have to return it. And you know what? You, you don't have to overthink this. 
kick it to right about the goal line to the two-yard line. And if your kicker messes up and it goes a couple yards in the end zone, all right, you know, so they'll take a knee. At least give that team the opportunity to screw it up and kick to the goal line. And anyone who watched the Atlanta-New England Super Bowl knows New England won that just by mortar kicking to the five. Over and over, Atlanta started on their own 13-yard line when New England using that, that, that proper strategy. But the key here with 37 seconds left, that, five, that extra five seconds, I'll make the case, made all the difference in the world in terms of the game decisions, the defense that you're game planning for. And, and think about it. If you bet the Raiders' money line, you're like, please, God, kick it in, into the end zone. Absolutely. Let me have my full time on the 25. Don't kick to the two. Christ, I'm going to lose now. I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, and if you've got, if there's any, it's easy to say, well, it's, that's tough to ask for a kicker to, you know, hit it to right. That's the, the Ravens have the best kicker in the history of time kicking for them. Justin Tucker can, he can do can it. Absolutely do it. By the way, then this rule changed that the ball goes out to the 25 instead of the 20 happened in 2016. So, I guess relative, it's a relative new change, but the bottom line is if, he, if your kicker screws up, he aims for the two, and he kicks it to the seven, that's fine. If he happens to kick it one or two yards in the end zone, okay, it happens. And the other, the other team's so stupid, they're going to run it out anyways. Yeah. You know, They're not going to take a knee because their coach, their special teams coach, isn't going to be smart enough to tell them, hey, take a knee even if it's on the one-yard line. Just let it bounce. And to your point, the touchback was expected to be about a average return so the average expected return was to about the 20 yard line they changed it for safety reasons but to your point what was the uh, the number two decision that you disagreed with number two decision is just so gruden drives down because they start at the 25 and boom they get it to the 38 yard line they're out of timeouts there's seven seconds left at this point in time i'm going to make a strong argument that the good coach Runs an out pattern, tries to pick up five to seven yards. His quarter, if it's not there, his quarterback just zings it out of bounds. And then we try the 55 yarder. The exceptional coach puts out the Hail Mary formation to the right, the three wide receivers, and he pretends to run a Hail Mary. The defense, oh my God, what are they doing? They try to get some guys back. They get all confused. And then you still run the seven yard out pattern on both sides. And there's a guy wide open. I mean, I've seen this a zillion times because the defense doesn't re- – they get fooled by the alignment. Oh, the other team's going to try a Hail Mary. And again, if it's not there, you throw it out of bounds. The bad coach attempts the field goal with seven seconds left, which is a less than 50-50 proposition. That extra five to seven yards you can pick up on that play makes all the difference in the world. I could not believe that Gruden was unaware of that. I disagreed with you on this one. I, I think that there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that situation, uh, I mean, because you're at the point there, if you take a sack somehow, you're out of field goal range now. Like, the 55, like that 50-50 prop suddenly becomes like a 30-70 prop, if, if at best. Yeah, but a good quarterback's never going to get sacked because you can tell him you have to release this within 1.8 seconds. Sure. You know, you literally, I, again, it's back to practice. He's never, ever going to get sacked. In fact, what game was it in the NFL that the uh, team was was – just running down the clock, and they couldn't run out the clock, and they were out of timeouts, and they just zinged it. They ran three straight out patterns and zinged it out of bounds at the end game and then kicked the field goal with three seconds left. I don't remember who it was, but it, the other thing is when you know there's only one viable route to be run, it's easiest for the cornerbacks to jump those routes. The cornerbacks think you're throwing a Hail Mary. That's Nobody's going to think oh, that. Oh, yes, they are. Happens all the time. At the end of a half, when there's like, I see this all the time, that, that it's fourth and eight, and a team has to punt, and they pretend to go for it, and the defense gets completely fooled and doesn't use timeouts, and they're scrambling around, tick, tick, tick. The defense will get, you, you put out those three wide receivers in a Hail Mary formation, it will fool them immediately because these are human beings. They're, they're, they're told, don't give up the short pass. You know what else they're being told? Don't get beat deep because then you lose. And people remember the Tom Brady touchdown pass at the end of the first half in the NFC Championship this is game. the end of the, the football game. Like, think about this. Don't get beat deep. And you know what? You, if, got, you got time to throw a bomb to a guy also with seven seconds if he's wide open. If they throw that Hail Mary and get tackled at, at the, the five-yard line, are we not talking about that as one of the terrible decisions John Gruden just made? Of course, but he's not but throwing. The Ravens he's know not throwing. That. They're not that smart. Uh, they right. kicked off into the end zone, okay. and suddenly they've and suddenly they've they're they're, they're, they're um, they have the acumen to realize that this isn't going to be a hail mary. I I don't. But and bottom line is, if it's not there, just zing it out. Here's now. what I what I said yesterday to McKinsey. I guess we didn't, we weren't on air when we were talking about this, were we, McKinsey? Uh, well, I record everything that anyone says in this office. So. Okay, so what I what I said was, 
if it were a tie game at the time, I would like your in-game strategy better. I'd I'd like to to up my chances a little bit because now I know the floor is overtime. Mm-hmm. When you're chasing three points and the floor is losing the game, I think I don't want to take any further chances. What's the probability we make the 55-yard kick, would you say? I mean, it depends on the kicker, certainly. I, I don't know that kicker is, like, obviously for Tucker, it's it's higher than 40%? For Carlson. 40? I, I think it's probably, it's probably 40, 45%. I go 40 with the pressure and, and everything okay. else. All right. But it's inside that maybe. What, what if we pick up seven yards? What's the. Does it, it, it probably flips to the right side of 50%. Yeah, so we'll call it 53. So I pick up 13%. Am I going to get sacked 13%? Hell no, am I going to get sacked? Am I going to get a holding call 13%? You know, the co- I get I would say the composite average of those events is probably 5%. So I'm picking up a 13% and but I have to complete the pass though. Sure. But I think I complete the pass pro- more than half the time. I really think that the, 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 the there's this human nature of oh, don't get beat deep, you know, on the and that because you lose and it it does happen. 7 seconds is enough time to throw a bomb to a wide open guy. And that play only lasts six seconds. And here's the other thing that, you know, you mentioned holding on the offensive line, which could certainly happen, with a, especially with a young and experienced line. Those, those out routes, like those, uh, those sideline pat- patterns, the most holding calls on wide receivers are called on those patterns. Like that, that's where, for whatever reason, if there's two wide receivers lined up next to each other and one's going out, the other the one offensive gets interference. called for holding or offensive pass interference. You just, just got gotta have it clean and not and not have any kind of pick play at all. And I, the only thing I can say in Gruden's defense is maybe he's thinking, oh, Leatherwood's gonna is gonna jump. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but that hadn't happened yet, had it? No. No, that hadn't happened. So yes. let's get let's get to the last thing, the last mistake you thought that they made. And th- this one is just agreed to. So it's second down and ten. The Raiders have it on the 27-yard line of Baltimore. There's four minutes left in overtime. And and one of the Mannings, in fact, I was listening to, don't you think they should just trot out the kicker, which shows being an NFL quarterback, even having won two Super Bowls, you have no idea what you're doing game management-wise. <laughs> because everyone knows here, you, you put out the pass formation, you pretend that you're trying to pass and you run, and you probably only pick up five yards. Now, if you put out the run formation, it's clear you're going to be super conservative. You're probably only going to gain a yard or so. But the bottom line is, what does the defense want you to do? Well, the last thing they want you to do is maybe pick up the first down. The clock runs all the way down to one minute, and then you either win or you tie if your kicker misses the field goal. Uh, the worst thing to do is trot out your kicker for a 44-yarder, which he's going to miss Thirty-five percent of the time, and now you lose. You've got and you've left Baltimore all the time in the world to drive down. And good field position as well. And great field position. It's just wrong on all levels. I think the and I don't disagree with you on that. I think it's a terrible call. The only justification I can give it is they were so inept at running the football, and clearly Jacobs was not right. And their their other back, Drake, they don't feel good running him up the middle. What they used, though, all night in lieu of a running game was short patterns to Waller. Yeah, and they Do didn't that. stop. And Baltimore didn't stop the whole no. way. And, and, you know, the bottom line is, as a guy who watches so many games, I know Carr's not the most mobile guy. Put out wide receivers and run a quarterback draw. I've been watching football for 20 years. I've never seen that play fail. It always works. I, uh, I One of the, the stats that I... I, I, I Again, I, I did say I lost the under on that game, which made me sick. But I did put out a a prop on that game, and I don't play a lot of props. I, I mean, not nearly as much as you, but I played a prop on when I, when they said Jimmy Smith was out for the game. Mm-hmm. I played a prop on Waller receptions over seven. Sweated that one out for at least two minutes. Well, he had like one catch in his first eight. Uh, targets. I was like, what is going on yeah. here? Yeah, the usage but was there the whole way. That constantly was... going at him. And that's the way, the Ravens, when Jimmy Smith is out, they don't have, like, their linebackers are not capable of stopping When was the Jimmy Smith news? When did that hit? About, I mean, I guess, right, you know, an hour before the game, if that. You know, I think this is a time to transition to prop betting, you, you having brought that up, because I think this is a perfect time to transition. We will. I want to give this stat about Jimmy Smith, yes. and I think it's important in your decision on whether to play the Ravens or the Chiefs this weekend. I don't know if Jimmy Smith is going to be out. Here's what I do know. The last three years when Jimmy Smith is on the field, the Ravens are 14-7 and seven against the spread. Mm-hmm. When he is out, they are 7-8 and eight against the spread. 
he is wildly important to what they – and what's crazy about it is he's probably their third best cornerback now. I mean, did you um, take a look at what the defensive stats are in those games? Because I'd be, you know, just something maybe to take a look at is it. it, it, Sometimes it's just random noise, but if you can say, hey, that their opponents have outperformed. This is something I've been looking at for years about Jimmy Smith just being so Mm -hmm. so viable to this team. Like I asked McKenzie to pull those numbers, not knowing what they exactly were. I just know when the when when Jimmy Smith doesn't play, the Ravens suck. Yes, and I'm sure the numbers are going to confirm this that the defense that, that their opponents are outscoring their expectations. Yes. I, I looked into it, and they had a similar points versus expectation on the defense, about negative two with Smith and without Smith. But there was a couple outlier games where they like played the Dolphins in 2019 without Smith that I think it, I think it still stands. All right. What's scary is last year uh, when the Chiefs played the Ravens and Mahomes threw for 385 and four touchdowns and had a 98 QBR. Chiefs just dominated the whole game. Only a 14-point <laughs> win could have won by more. Yes. The, the Ravens had... Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, and Marcus Peters for that mm. game. They're not going to have Marcus Peters, and they might not have Jimmy Smith. That's a terrifying thought for if you're if you're a Ravens backer. That's a terrifying thought, or an underbacker, or an underbacker. That's a terrifying thought. But like you said, let's switch into uh, into prop discussion. And we were talking before. You you're saying maybe. A lot of people have thought for a long time props are the way to beat the NFL. That's the way to, to the, where you find the most edge as the better. Yes, and there are dark clouds on the horizon. I don't like what's happening with the NFL prop market, and here's why. The East Coast, the FanDuel, the DraftKings, a um, few other places are putting up props um, on these players early in the week. And they're not up in most sports books. They're not up in Vegas at all. And not that they even come up in Vegas in most books, right. um, but at, at like the bookmakers of the world, the pinnacles of the world, you know, the, the the bread and butter offshore books don't have them up. And what happened in the past is all these props would start coming up over the weekends. A lot of books wouldn't even put them up until Sunday morning, and then you'd see enormous line moves. Now there is a new industry of prop bettors and prop touters and handicappers that are just licking their chops and they're looking at these openers that are being put up by books that frankly aren't very good at this in terms of setting lines, yes. the DraftKings and the FanDuels, despite the fact that they're their acumen supposed to be fantasy. Yeah. And so now, boom, it's Tuesday and a bad number gets put up and it's already getting taken out. The guys are releasing it, then the followers, the copycats come in and you're seeing numbers move dramatically five days before the games so that by Sunday morning when these lines get all put up at all the books they've been chiseled into place so much the soft numbers I've been talking about for years really don't exist now the way to beat the market I think you nailed it late injury information about such things like Josh Jacobs is playing compromised or you know Jimmy Smith is out defensively I think you need to there's two ways to beat this. Get out these numbers early in the week at these select books, which are hard. This is hard to do. Especially if you live here. Yeah. Or take advantage of the late-breaking injury information on Sunday. But just as far as crunching models and numbers and the computer spitting it out and being able to beat the props, I don't think you're going to be able to do it on Sunday numbers. Which, while I agree that's a, you know, that sucks, it, it's, to me it's more of a detriment on you know, Vegas kind of falling behind the other markets as far as like what's available to you uh there it's nice that like circa's making things more accessible early in the week but those drafting like it, i mean it, it takes balls to put out those numbers and nobody here is doing it so i i think that's a it, to me it's more of a detriment of where we're at than maybe the prop market, because there's people on the East Coast who will be taking advantage of that, certainly. Oh, no doubt about it, and certainly getting some really good bets. But I can tell you, you know, just as an example, um, Blue, Horse, Blue Horseshoe loves Austin Hooper of Cleveland under, and he's sitting at 35 and a half, and that's 33, and then it's 30. And I'm sure by the time we're taping this, it's 28. And as good as Hooper under 35 and a half was, um, the, the shark, Hooper has jumped the shark on this bet. Now that's below 30. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into speaking of DraftKings, uh, some interesting stuff here. Normal, I mean, I, I say normal. The Las Vegas books, once the season starts, those win totals are gone. But there are some books that still give you win totals as the, as the season goes on. And I, 
I'm with you. I think it's really interesting to see how these numbers change based on one data point. Exactly right. I'm just going to go through them here, and maybe you can one-line them whether you agree or disagree. I'm going to tell you teams that the current numbers, these are DraftKing numbers that I like over and under. Number one, L.A. Rams under, and I've adjusted for the VIG, so if I say a decimal, I'm going to say it here, Rams under 11.6. That means you can play under 11.5 at reduced VIG. So the, the, it's shaded to the over. I like the Rams under 11.6. I think this is an overreaction to one good game that the Rams were supposed to win anyways, bumping their season win up by over a game. Yeah, I, I don't know that I like it because I I mean, I'm with you, I'm with you on under 11.6. I was higher than the Rams on the two of you than than you and RJ were at ten and a half. I liked over with the mm. Rams, but the Bears to me was an assumed win already. Mm-hmm. So because they get that win, I don't suddenly say, "Oh, well, now they're going to win an extra game." So no, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I I think there's that's an overreaction. Buffalo Bills, I like under ten point seven. The opener was the closer was eleven point four. I think there's maybe an overreaction to Buffalo. Buffalo statistically dominated that game. I mean, we're talking about a blocked punt return for a touchdown that's the difference between that game. Like, and two failed fourth down and shorts that, and, that both well, just went against really them. terrible calls, like mm-hmm. play calls, like uh, not officiating calls, play calls, which is Buffalo's fault. But if you watch that game, and I went back and rewatched that game, Pittsburgh's good defensively. So, I mean, it's not a surprise that, that they gave Josh Allen some problems. But I... I certainly don't walk away from that game saying Pittsburgh's better than Buffalo. It's not close. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. And my my sense here, Buffalo was supposed to get 0.7 of a win in that game against Buffalo. They got zero. Yeah. So they lose seven-tenths of a win. So this number only got adjusted back to what you were saying but you by liked, 0.7. You liked Buffalo under before the season. Yes, because okay. I thought I thought it got irrationally steamed to almost yeah. 11. I, I was pretty yep. neutral on it to begin with. I'm still pretty neutral on it there. All right. Cleveland Browns under 10.5. The number is essentially what it was before they lost to Kansas City. Uh, that's odd. But I guess you, if you were betting over on Cleveland, you probably assumed Kansas City is one of the losses. The thing that scares me about under on Cleveland now is having watched week one, I'm a lot lower on Pittsburgh than I was, and I'm a lot lower on Baltimore than I was, which means that there's opportunity there for Cleveland. I, I mean, I would, I well, would you're say— You're not lower on Pittsburgh. I am lower on Pittsburgh. Like, having watched them play a game— so, oh, you're not going to downgrade them, are you? I don't think it's crazy to. Ben oh, Roethlisberger it, looked awful. Yeah, but the defense looked great. The defense looked great, but yep. they can't run the ball, and Ben looks terrible. Interesting. That, that's. I mean, I'm definitely not like running to upgrade them off. Maybe of that. it's time just to bet every Pittsburgh game under Big Ben. We got to rely on our defense. When was the last time you heard any quarterback, even one that sucks, say that? Oh, we got to win with our defense. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong on mm-hmm. that. And everyone was like. Well, the offensive line sucks, which the offensive line is awful. But having a, a real running back is going to change everything. They go out and draft Najee Harris. Guess what? He looks like every other crumb bum <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh running back of the last five years. Like, can't move the ball. So I, I'm not upgrading Pittsburgh, certainly. And Baltimore, I'm downgrading off of what I saw. I mean, Cleveland uh, – Think about this. Now, two of those teams in the uh, in the AFC uh, North won, two of them lost. I mean, you could argue Cleveland had the most impressive performance relative to expectation, right? Mm, it's hard for me. If I only assessed them by three and a half quarters, I'd say they kicked ass. And the bottom line is they only covered because Kansas City failed on their t- last two-point conversion. Okay. You know, so. Fair enough. They met expectations, basically. Based upon the closing number, New Orleans Saints. Now, here's a shocker. Saints under 10.6. You know what? Where were they? 8.8. Oh, yeah, that's overreaction. I, I, I have. I, it's still a bad situation, you know, with, with the, the hurricane. Yes, Winston and the Saints are much better than we thought, and they got a win that they really weren't supposed to get necessarily. I, it's still, I'm not going to upgrade a team. By 1.8 wins. Yeah, the Saints were actually one of the only. They were one of the bets that I won this weekend. Uh, I, I just think that number got pushed up, like to where it was more than it should have been based on that that news. I think what I took away from that game is much more of a downgrade on Green Bay 
than an upgrade of New Orleans. I'm glad you mentioned Green Bay. Mackenzie, check this number at DraftKings because I can't really believe it's it's the case, but I think it is. So Green Bay shown 10.7 for their season win number. That's exactly what it was when before the season started. I don't even see how that's possible. I love Green Bay under. I don't know how. It, I mean, that seems wrong, like that they wouldn't downgrade them off that because I'm showing 10.4 at DraftKings. Shaded to the under. Yeah. So okay. So I would still, I still like under. It's I, I think you got to downgrade Green Bay a game. They basically, I think so too. I mean they 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 had a sixty five percent chance to win a game that they lost, and they're not as good as we thought. So I I like the under. I mean everything that could have gone Green Bay's way leading up to that game went their way, and they still got blown out. Bonus, Fezic best bet, no blossom. I'm just going to give Green Bay under the ten and a half on the uh, season wins. All right. Let's go to Denver. Denver goes up to 10 and a half. And where were they preseason? They were at nine. I'm going under 10 and a half. Oh, to. it's an overreaction to a win against a bad Giants team. Dude, come on. Denver, I mean, they got hyped up so much even leading up to this. So if you thought Denver was a, a nine and a half team, did you not expect them to beat the Giants? Well, they were three-point favorites. So they win 60% of the time. So, and it was a little misleading final. They dominated. Bottom line is Denver stratified air, 10 and a half. If they'd gotten Aaron Rodgers, what would their number be? 13 now? I guess so. I, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm selling on Denver. I, I, God, that was honestly the toughest game for me to handicap, when we, and we'll talk about it when we get to the pot. Denver-Jacksonville, because I want to bet against both those teams so badly. I, I don't know who to pick in that game. I mean, because Denver's just hyped out of this world, and everybody's so low on Jacksonville right now. Like, it, it, um, maybe even too low. I don't know, but I don't want anything to do with either of those teams. It, that's a that's a messy game. Speaking of hype, let's go to the Tennessee Titans, who season win number is down from nine point four. Before the season started, it's eight and a half now. I like under this Tennessee team. It's pretty darn clear. If you watch that Arizona game, they got smacked around on both sides of the ball. And I, the only reason that their number was that high was because the division is so weak. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because, I mean, I'm I'm still low on the Colts and probably lower than I was going into the season. I, I mean, are we going to have a? Is it going to be an eight and nine division winner? Like that's what to me that's kind of what you're saying there with that it's well the Colts season win number which I have no opinion on is seven and a half so the the markets are saying <laughs> we got the memo the Colts are no good so thank that, you very much so think about that if you've got no opinion on the Colts over seven and a half and you like the Titans under eight and a half that means you're betting that there's a sub five hundred division winner in Ab- absolutely you know that's a great prop so Mackenzie contact all those all the sports like I want a prop on will the <laughs> NFC AFC South. AFC South winner have a winning record because I want to bet Ugh. no they won't come on it all right we talked about teams we're going to fade let's talk about teams we're going to back here I'm going to start with the bottom up because it's just kind of the um, way I'm going to roll here I'm going to start with the Houston Texans. You know what? Their season win number is 4.3 right now. Mm-hmm. So four and a half, and you get the bargain on, yeah. on, on the vigorous. I got to go over. They look so much better than what we expected. Yes, they stink, but that division stinks. So I, I still look at this team. I mean, the, the very first pass that Tyrod Taylor threw should have been a pick six. I saw that. Like, I mean, it, that, and who knows how the game goes if that happens? And, and who knows if the Texans just melt on the sideline if that happens? You're right. They were impressive. Tyrod Taylor actually looked, you know, I compare and can contrast him to Jacoby Brissett. Brissett looks like he's 90 when he's trying to yeah. elude the rush. And Tyrod Taylor looks quick. I, I, I mean, I guess there's credit where it's due. I'm not upgrading Houston that much, mostly because I, I think that they they just beat a, a really awful team. And if you were playing over four and a half, and I bet under four and a half preseason, I mean, you had to assume they were going to win at least one of those two Jacksonville games. Yeah, but they didn't have to. They didn't have to win it by twenty, you know, and dominate. Yeah, so. I, I mean, listen, I, my my biggest uh, win total ticket is on Jacksonville under six and a half. Mm. I feel so much better about that now. So, I, by the I way, mean, Circa Survivor forty two hundred entrance one hundred seventy nine took 
the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh. Week one, they're playing the long game, obviously, you know, trying to save the better well, teams. Well, they were playing the long game. They we were playing, say. but uh, all <laughs> I can say, the really short game. <laughs> all I can say is, like in the World Series of Poker, go back and watch. There's um, there's a hand where Sammy Farha it plays against Goldie, a relative of Goldie Hawn, first hand of the main event, and Farha goes ahead and has ace ten, and the flop comes ace ace ten, and his opponent. Goldie Hans, nephew, or whatever he is, has pocket tens, and they get the money in like 28 seconds, and it's all, and he goes home. So, um, Jacksonville Jaguars contestants, thank you, and I hope you can play next year. <laughs> okay, let's go to the New York Giants, currently at 5.6. You know what? I think this Giants team stinks. I do too. I still like over 5.6. Wow. Wow, is that a low number? It's a, it's a 17 game season, and it's. Um, you know, it's still a division that I am not overly optimistic about. I, I got to go over. Yeah, I, I feel uh, – I mean, the football team was disappointing. I, I, I mean, despite what everybody else seems to think, I, I didn't think Dallas was all that great uh, watching that game back. I didn't think they were that great. And the, the only team that really kind of impressed me was Philly. And – they may have impressed me the same way that Houston did because Atlanta may just be atrocious all season long. I'm going to jump ahead to Philly because I have Philly as one of my over teams, 7.4. I think, you know what, you got to give a major upgrade. So the Eagles were lined at 6.8, and now they're at 7.4. And Still like over that? I love over because they're only supposed to win that game 40% of the time. They win at 100%, they have a win. So just the pure math says if Philly sure. is exactly equal to what they were, it should be 7.4. And Philly's a lot better than what we thought. I like over. Okay. Uh, sounds like we have an agreement there. The Cincinnati Bengals, similar story. I don't understand this number. The Bengals are at 6.4. I love over. That's what they were aligned at before they, they got their win against the Vikings. Even if the Bengals were the recipient of the Vikings not being ready to go week one, 12 penalty, penalties in the first half, the bottom line is they pick up a win in a game they were an underdog in. you got to bump their season win number up to seven, even if they're not any better than we thought. I like over the 6.4. Yeah, and that's another one, kind of like why why I disagreed with you a little on Cleveland is why I agree with you on this one because I, I downgrade Baltimore pretty significantly, uh, and I didn't upgrade Pittsburgh as much as everyone else did, so I, I think that's a smart play, Cincy. Yeah, Baltimore 9.6 currently, and that's one where big adjustment from the 11. I think it's a proper adjustment. I don't want to touch that. If anything, no. I would lean under. Chicago Bears, this one's interesting. So they were 7.3. They're down to 6.3 after getting pasted by the Rams. I get it. The defense was bad for the Bears. I still like over 6.3. That's the scary thing to me. Like, we knew going into this season that the Bears were going to stink on offense, right? But we assumed if that defense is anything like it was last year, they're going to be at least solid. Their defense just looked awful. Got beat uh, deep mean, twice. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what. And now, mind you, we may we may be looking at the Rams and saying like the Rams' offense may be a juggernaut this year. Like it, it with the the upgrade at quarterback, Sean McVay may turn back into a genius. I saw Cooper Cup and Woods were one and three in yards after catch when they're playing with Goff. Now imagine what they're going to do with oh. this guy slinging the ball. So I'm a I'm not. Uh, bullish on on the Bears. I'm not, I'm, I'm bearish on the Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I still don't want anything to do with that. But at the same time, we just talk about that division and the Vikings look way worse than I thought they were going to look. I mean, the, the, they're a mess with the penalties. I mean, that, that nonsense. Uh, you know, Mike Zimmer's suddenly on the hot seat. And the Packers, I think you certainly have to downgrade. Let's talk about the Vikings because they're down to 7.4. This okay. is a team that was lined at just under 9 to start the season. You know what? I got to go over 7.4. That that just seems like such a big adjustment for a team that is a mission team. And I want to give them a little bit of a pass. They just weren't ready week one. They didn't get enough reps in preseason or whatever. That, like I said, 12 penalties in the first half. That's why they only had seven points. But shouldn't you be most half. ready for week one? Like, that's what... The entire offseason. Not when you spend the whole the whole um, offseason telling everyone don't get don't get vaccinated and let the pandemic go for two years. Thanks a lot, Kirk Cousins. See, I'm, I'm, How do you like me now? I don't like you at all. I'm worried that the strife in that locker room is going to carry over into the season. Hmm. I, I, I the, Minnesota's a, a tough team for me to to get a read on right now. I I certainly agree with that, and I and I'm concerned obviously that that defense with their starters back did give up a lot of 
big plays to Cincinnati and to chase a wide receiver that did not look good, the rookie wide receiver during preseason. Let's talk about Philadelphia. This um, Did we talk about Philly? Yeah, we talked Philly. So Philly, we agreed, was a slam dunk to go over. Let's talk about the Raiders. 7.5. You know what? They were 7.2 before the season started. Uh, despite Baltimore's shortcomings, I still think we got to upgrade the Raiders. Thank you. The offense was um, really good in clutch time, other than like the, the the ridiculous mistakes, and the defense was much better than expected. Raiders over seven and a half. Raiders dropped a lot of opportunities in that first half, and still ended up, you know, kind of ro- you know their offense got rolling, and. We worried all season long about that offensive line, offensive line. And, I mean, who blitzes more than than Wink Martindale? And the, the Raiders picked it up well. The Raiders were a team that I liked over before. And, I, uh, you know, that's one that R.J. Laughed, left me out of the room on. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you have to upgrade the Raiders at this point. Yes. Uh, two more here. Let's talk about. Although that division looks tough, I'm four and zero. I tell you, the West Coast looks. Yeah, looks, all, all all four West Division teams get a win in Week One. Mackenzie, if I bet every West Coast Division team the rest of the year, do I make money or lose money? I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna say you make money fifty three percent or better. I I agree with that. I think that the bottom line is at some point these teams are gonna have to play each other, and someone's gonna have to lose. Think about that. Prop of the of the eight teams on the West Coast. We're saying the Raiders are the worst one. And the Raiders don't look that bad. Defensively, they looked pretty solid. You I know, mean, they're clearly the worst team. It's not even close. Every other team's supposed to have a winning record now. Yeah. You know, so although I still think the Raiders are closer to the Broncos than people think, or maybe mm-hmm. I should maybe word it. I think the Broncos are closer to the Raiders than people think. Think about this. It's not, it's not even close anymore. Every one of these teams on the West Coast. Other than the Raiders, is supposed to win nine and a half or yep. more. Yep. So that shows how strong those And now they're saying are. the Raiders, at, what are they at? Eight point seven point five. The, the mere fact that you said eight point something means we we, we got to love the over. Yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers. Back to what you were saying, you didn't. You weren't impressed that Pittsburgh beat Buffalo, and the market agrees with you. Pittsburgh season win barely budged despite an upset win in Buffalo. Eight point seven for season wins. You know what though? Even if I'm not impressed, I'm still going to go over because now they only have to go eight and eight the rest of the year. And they just won a game that it, no one could have expected them to win. Right. So I, I you, you may be right on that, but I, I'm just watching that game. The eye test tells me, boy, this Pittsburgh offense is going to be really, really bad this year. And asking a team to just win, keep continue to win on defense. That's tough, man. It's tough in the NFL in 2021 for your defense to just keep winning you games. Although I can I can make the case, you know, that when they had Duck Hodges and uh, Rudolph, that's exactly what they did. They went eight and eight with those yep. dudes, and I don't think we're at the point that Big Ben is going to be a downgrade from them. I mean, he's no. clearly better. So, um, of course, the defense was really good, but I think the defense is really good this year as well. One more over here, and the teams we didn't talk about, I pretty much agreed with the adjustments, so I won't read them off here. The um, the New England Patriots, eight and a half, so they're down from nine out. They dropped them a game. You know, I understand it hurts to lose a game uh, at home, and and that's you're supposed to win sixty percent of the time. But if anything, I would have upgraded the Patriots. They played very well in position to win. Uh, turnovers, late fumble, cost them, and so I very much like what the rookie quarterback looked like. I at eight and a half, the Patriots are going to have a winning record this year. I really, if you missed the the boat on the New England money, all that New England money on season win over over the course of a season, this is like the time machine. You get to go back and bet New England at the opening number, even better than the opening number back when it was eight and a half with Vig on the over, and you can get it at minus a dollar ten now. New England's loss is maybe even more than Buffalo's a fraud loss because they dominated that game. Statistically, they dominated that game, and they gave it away going into the end zone late. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think if you like New England preseason, I, there's no reason to like them any less right now. And, and uh, what, we, what week one showed me is Bill Belichick made the right choice on his quarterback. Mac Jones oh, is better yes. right now than Cam Newton was going to be. I, he's better in week one than Cam Newton was last year. I mean, Cam Newton was yes. just wasn't that good last year. I think there's an upgrade already for New England. You know, one more I wanted to ask you. The uh, sweeping generality, is there going to be more parity in the NFL 
Week one, we saw the dogs go 12-4 and four against the closing numbers. Now, a little misleading because the Niners got dinged with a loss because sure. of the steam. And a little misleading because there was a flip-over favorite on the Washington game. Yeah. So you can, if you throw those two out, you say, yeah, fav- the favorites really won 10-4. and four. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, dogs won 10-4. and four. But I still think that that's enough of a significance. It certainly looked like, you know, maybe when we carried over our power ratings and we do a little regression assumption, you know, with them. Maybe we didn't do enough of it that we kept the highest teams just a little bit too high. Namely, Tampa didn't cover. Kansas City doesn't cover. Buffalo doesn't cover. The Niners don't cover. Um, and you know, the closing numbers. So maybe um, Packers and Ravens lose outright. Yeah. So I, I think across the board, we're like, well, the Packers were good last year. The Ravens were good, so they'll be good again. Maybe we're just a little bit too optimistic, and we need to show all things being equal. Even if there's no personnel change, we should downgrade it. You know, the, the top five teams by a point and a half. Maybe so, but I'd also look at the bottom five teams and say, outside of Houston, do you feel better about any of those bottom five than you did? But I mean, Atlanta, who I, I thought was bad already, I feel worse about. And Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, they we we're doing. Uh, uh, we t- they talk about survivorship bias. This would be a non-survivorship bias because Atlanta wasn't in close to the the, no. bo- the bottom five until this weekend. Now we're throwing them into the bottom uh, five. I mean, the Jags you the, certainly feel worse about than you the, did. The Giants you feel worse about. You feel the, better. The Jets I feel worse about even. You, but you feel you do feel better about the Bengals. Yeah, but you feel worse I guess about the, and the Lions. I you I, feel worse. You do feel, you? They scored. 38 points in the final 30 seconds of that game or something. Well, All right, I exaggerate. Here's what I like about the Lions is whatever you think of Campbell as a coach, and I still don't know if he's like a good X and O's guy, what I what that showed me was he his teams aren't going to quit. And he talks about that biting off kneecaps and stuff. Like, that shows me something. They, they kept playing. Like, I, I, I'm a, I agree I, I'm with certainly that. not impressed by them. I think they're really bad because I just think their roster is so awful. Kind of like the Texans. Like, I just think their roster is too bad to maintain that. But the fact that they kept playing, that impressed me a little bit. By, by the way, I, I, you hear about overreaction Monday. So I want to transition, if we can, a little bit to my power ratings adjustments and That's where, where I'm I moving numbers. To go. Yeah, I, I, I'll let you lead. Yeah, because I, I want to give you a little bit of pushback on some of these. Surely. I, like, uh, there's some that you upgraded that I, I. Tell me, what are your biggest disagreements? Uh, upgrading Dallas a full point. Let me see where I got Dallas at. You've got Dallas now. Oh one yeah, and a half. Y- yes. Um, this they- is a team that they won the turnover battle four to one and lost the game. I mean, they 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 had three turnovers from the Bucks that led directly to points, and their fourth turnover was at the end of the half. Like you, the fact that you can get four, you can get a plus three in turnovers and lose the game is it's all it's all quarterback. My my adjustment is a point positive for Dak Prescott, who with all that uncertainty, and we thought that he would not be ready to go, and he looked really solid. So I, I didn't upgrade Dallas at all. I upgraded Dak Prescott one point. Can you get on board that? I can get on board that. You may have to downgrade their defense a little bit, though. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's um, fair. Let's see who else I, I had. So I, I agreed with you on the, the two big downgrades you had, Baltimore and Green Bay, I think were, were very warranted. Um I think I would have I would have upgraded New England a little bit, even off a loss. I think I'd upgrade New England. Yeah, I kept New England right where they're at. Part of that is RJ's always. They lost the game, Fez. How can you How can you make them better? But I left them. I left them. You know where they at. And in general, I try never to make an adjustment of more than two points week to week. That tends to be my maximum. If there's not a quarterback change, however, and I guess these, these I did it for a few teams this I, year. Week one to two is when you should have your most adjustments, I guess, because now we've finally seen it. So maybe it just comes off as alarming to me to see such a big change. Yeah, in, like in Atlanta, I moved down two points, and I'm, I was driving, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get killed on that. They're worse than two points. They might because be. Because they were so bad in preseason as well. It, it's not just they were had, had one horrible game. They, they had a horrible stretch of four games, if you count their three preseason losses. So here, here's one that was interesting to me. You downgraded the Bills a full point, and you downgraded the Steelers a half point. So that... 
that strikes me as odd because, I mean, either way, it's a good win for Pittsburgh. They won the game, even though I— I, I actually yeah. upgraded Pittsburgh a point, so we got a typo there. I had Pittsburgh half a point better than the average team, and now I have them one point better. Okay, then there so, is a typo so, here. Okay. But uh, it's a good—you know, maybe that's—that might not be correct because of the, the, the what you said. Maybe I'm being a little too optimistic with Pittsburgh. I just—that defense was so impressive, but I definitely was going to downgrade Buffalo the point because already I'm worried about the Josh Allen regression. One team that I you may not have downgraded enough for my liking is Indianapolis, and they get a full point downgrade. But w- like we knew that Indy was going to be pretty rough on defense, but we like everybody was like, oh, over in the Seattle because Seattle and Indy they both suck on defense. Well, it turns out Indy sucks on offense too. I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the Barry Horowitz here. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit right here because I had Indianapolis rated a minus one to start the season, so their season win number. On the closing number okay. was they were projected to be a winning team, and I said, "Screw you, the market. You're completely wrong. They're a below average team." So I already had them. Um, I, I was already on an island on how low I had them, so I wasn't comfortable dumping them too much based upon one game. I moved them down a point. Uh, the football team, your biggest downgrade, obviously that's quarterback related. Three points for Heineke. And I think people disagree with me. A lot of people say Heineke's as good as as Fitzmagic, and I'm like, but Fitzmagic is an average. Starting quarterback. Heineke was driving Uber like a year and a half ago. I mean, Heineke's a slightly above average. He's an above average backup quarterback, a borderline top 10 backup quarterback. But if I have Fitzpatrick as my number 15, um, let me see where I have Fitzpatrick. Where are you, Fitzy? Uh, I had him number 14, so maybe I had him a little bit too high. So I have it, you know, as a, um, a, a, uh, three and a half point downgrade, actually. So, and maybe I'm 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 too low on Heineke. It's possible, but that's the adjustment I made. You're not worried about overreaction on the Texans. Well, I've got the te- Texans, the second worst team in the NFL, still. Mm-hmm. All right, um, I still have them tied with Jacksonville, and I moved them ahead of Detroit. You know, I'll, Tyrod Taylor, you, you, he made that one horrible throw to start the game, and then he was great. He was great in terms of his mobility at open guys. But yeah. I love when he, there was a pass rush. I love the way he was able to spin out of it. And I was like, who is this guy? Um, he really looked good. And then uh, the the Dolphins, you left even. And maybe the same way, like, I know you don't like to down. Obviously, RJ will say, how can you downgrade him off a win? I think I would downgrade Miami a little bit. I, I, I I'm was... already I'm already down on Miami in general. You know, I only have them one point better than the average team, and everyone's like, "Oh, you know, you're you're um, you're a Tua hater and the like uh, already." Oh, here's the other surprise to me that you had the Saints uh, upgraded three points. Yeah, and that was one where I was on, on an island low on the Saints. Remember, I was talking about I want bet the Saints not to make the playoffs. The Saints yep. under nine wins. I had the Saints as a zero, as an average team, especially to start the year. I felt like all the disruptions. And sometimes you just got to go ahead and take a look at your numbers and say, I had no data points. Now I got a pretty damn big data point that's um, an exclamation point that I was wrong. I don't want to be landing on the Saints each and every week for like my biggest bet. I'm going to bump up three points. Um, frankly, it's still the market still thinks they're better than I think they are, despite me moving the Saints up to the eighth best team in the NFL. And this might just be my bias, but I'd be hesitant to move the Broncos at all, just because I felt like they were they were a little high to begin with. I bumped them, yeah, and I bumped them half a point for a dominating win. And the reason I only bumped them half a point, I actually bumped them a point, but the Jerry, Jerry Judy injury, along with um, is Cortland Sutton, really had a subpar game. Now, Denver's actually deep at wide receivers, so they've got um, Hamler and they got another dude that I can't remember his name. So their three and four wide receivers actually are good compared to other teams. Um, so they probably can survive it, but that's a pretty big deal that um, if their number one is out and their number two is not what isn't of number two, that's going to certainly hurt the offense. All right. Well, I want to do uh, bang through some of the big college matchups this weekend. You can let you bounce back off of me here. Uh, I don't really have a strong take on on the the Bama game, which Bama Florida it, it opened at thirteen and a half. It got pushed up as high as seventeen, and now we've seen some buyback. It's fourteen and a half now. If that continues and it hits fourteen, I'm going to play Bama. Uh, and the the total has gone from fifty six and a half to fifty nine and a half. That that hitting sixty seems more likely than Bama giving fourteen again. But if it hits sixty, 
I'm going to be under in that game. And, he, and here's kind of why. I, Anthony Richardson's been a game changer for Florida's offense. Okay, he's he's been a, a a freak show. I mean, six of eleven passing, 192 yards and two touchdowns. He's run the ball eleven times for 275 yards and two touchdowns. 25 yards per carry from a quarterback. It freakish. Okay, now mind you, that's against Florida Atlantic and, and South Florida, so. They're obviously getting a, a big step up in competition. My concern for Florida, though, is the same as it was for Miami when they played Bama. Derek King, that he gets by with his legs. That's that's where he makes his bread and butter. I said before that game, Alabama's linebackers are too good to let a running quarterback make them look bad, mm-hmm. and it, they're going to make you throw the football. And I think that may be the case against Florida. So that's why I, I've got no interest in Florida. Even when it was 17, I was, eh, not for me. Uh, if it gets back down to 14, I am going to be on Bama because I think that they're going to be able to contain the running quarterbacks for Florida and make them throw. And Emory's thrown four interceptions in two games against bad competition. Uh, I think that that can be – I think that would be a big shock to the system for Florida to see the kind of linebackers that they're going to see from Alabama. And I think it's going to be very difficult for him to get. I mean, Derek King's a guy, he had two, he had 10 carries or no 10 yards on nine carries mm. in that game, 10 yards on nine. And that's like a, but that counts the sacks, uh, right? But there's a guy who's run for 2000 yards in his career. And sure. I, I mean, five, he's like a five yard per carry average quarterback and he could do nothing. Um, Obviously, Florida has seen nothing like Bryce Young yet, and, and I think that he's pretty special. I, I Right now, it's... What is he for the Heisman? I, I don't know, but I'll tell you what. I bet it's better numbers than Alabama to win the national title. And if Well, you, well if, Alabama's plus 150 to win the title. I, then if you like Alabama, in your, or even if it's like Alabama to go undefeated, if, if Alabama goes undefeated, Bryce Young's the Heisman winner. Plus 350, he is the favorite, Bryce Young. Okay, so uh, to me, that's an even better bet. Like, if you're saying, okay, Bama finishes, or Bama wins the SEC, finishes undefeated, whatever it is, if that happens, Bryce Young's going to be the Heisman. You know what, the beauty of this is that there's only two teams that I want any part of to win the national championship, Georgia and Alabama. That's it, and they're going to play each And Georgia (laughs) is all defense. Yep. So they don't have a Heisman winner. Their quarterback showed his spots against Clemson. Sure. So I, I actually really, in fact, I'm I'm going to best bet that. I, I I agree with your analysis completely. I was going to make a case, bet Alabama plus 150 to win the national title. That's a better bet. The the Heisman's better, you know, getting almost to the 4-1. to one. And the reason I really like Alabama to win the national championship is this is the Golden State phenomenon where you can't have a team favored against the field. Well, yes, you can, because is Alabama going to make the Final Four? Yes. yes. What are they going to be? Minus 10, minus 13, you know, in yeah. those in those two games, if they're not playing Georgia, because no one else is any good, because Oklahoma's way worse than we thought. Ohio State's way worse than we thought. Who's the third best team in the country right now? It's probably probably Clemson. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, so the third best team in the country got pasted by the second. Got clearly outplayed, not pasted. Yeah. Clearly outplayed by the second best team, and we're and we, so we have a team that always beats Georgia in the number one team, yeah. almost always. So I like that. So that's that's a best bet for me on the Heisman. Uh, Auburn is plus six uh, at Penn State. The total is fifty three. Uh, I think this is going to be a low scoring game, which makes me I I lean towards Auburn at, at plus six. I think this may be sort of a a repeat of that Penn State Wisconsin game, that ugly, grinded out. I'll no, say I'll say one thing. I'll half. say one thing about the that Penn State Wisconsin game, which was the most bizarre game ever. Yeah. Um, the obvious was Penn that Wisconsin should have won because they had yep. all the the ball control and 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 the mistakes. The not so obvious. How many touchdown bombs did Penn State miss with wide Several. open guys? At least two guys with five yard differentials that the quarterback just airmailed it on. So Penn State certainly to say they didn't deserve to win that game, I think I don't know if that's accurate. It really depends on whether their quarterback oh, is I'm any not good. saying they didn't deserve to win. I'm just saying it was an ugly, oh, ugly no football game. Doubt. And I think this could be similar to it. Mm-hmm. Uh here's what I know about. Can we check Auburn. the weather in, in, in Happy Valley? It's always lousy there. Here's what I know about Auburn. They are good defensively. They, I mean, they've got NFL talent on defense. I expected them to be good defensively. My big question on Auburn was, 
will Bo Nix take another step? And Bo Nix has been bad on the road his his entire career. He's a junior now. A lot of quarterbacks are bad on the road when they're a freshman or a sophomore, relatively. Uh, but he's just so good at home. I, I mean, it's it's not crazy to think that he could take that next step. I think Bo Nix is very good. Uh, and Brian Harson and Mike Bobo have both said they're seeing big improvements from Bo Nix. And Mike Bobo, this is this is something to think about with Auburn. They're going to try to score 100 points on you every game, and they are not going to take the gas off. Like when they play the bad teams in the SEC, they're going to run scores up. So that's a team that I'm going to look to play Auburn when they've got big point spreads because mm-hmm. people are going to say, oh, that's too much. They'll run the score up on you. But I think they're going to put pressure on Penn State in a way that Wisconsin couldn't. Their offense. Is, is, has more upside than Wisconsin does. Uh, so I, I like Auburn plus six. I like the under 53 there. Um, and then the other, well, I, I don't know if this one's a marquee game, but I, I, I listed it as one. Purdue at Notre Dame. Uh, Purdue's plus seven and a half, total 58 and a half. I don't think you could be impressed with Notre Dame with what you've seen so far. I don't think anybody can reasonably say, oh, yeah, they're good. Well, they're comparable to Jacksonville State based upon the two teams' performance against right. Florida State, right? I mean, they they were – think about that. The overtime survival win against Florida State could not have aged more poorly now that Florida State's lost to an FCS team. You know, it, it's a windy day against Toledo, so maybe that slowed down your potent offense. It's still a MAC team. And it's still a MAC team that put 29 on you. Yes. Yes. On a windy day. They cannot stop the run – they cannot run. There's some real problems with the way Notre Dame's built. I, I and listen, Purdue's not special, they, you know. They but they've exceed. They, they've at least met expectation. Yeah, I would argue like everyone's crying the river about the bad beat the Oregon State game because yeah. oh, Purdue got the miracle long pass it, and they're right to do so. But you know what? When I watched that game, Purdue was dominating Purdue's for for free from from the end of the first quarter to the middle of the fourth quarter. Purdue was dominating, and to say that that was a bad beat, that was a coin flip, that, and, a minus seven. And they smashed UConn, which you're supposed to do. Uh, they're getting real good quarterback play from Jack Plummer. Uh, here's, a, here's a stat. Notre Dame, 105th in defensive finishing drives. That's I mean, For Notre mm. Dame? And what great offense have they played? Yeah. They haven't. So I, I think that Notre Dame is going to get some pressure on Plummer. I think that – I'm not saying that – Purdue's going to win this outright, I, but I do think What's that... What's this total? Uh, 58 and a half. Put me down on the over. Okay. Having watched both these teams play, I can't see anything but a shootout. I think this is just another down-to-the-wire game for, for Notre Dame, so I, I'm getting seven and a half with Purdue. I'll take that. And then I'm going to give you a best bet here. Uh, rotation number 130, and this number's... I wish I could have given this out earlier in the week. Uh, Texas A&M minus 29 and a half against New Mexico. Uh, it was twenty. It was twenty-seven and a half earlier. Once they announced that the, the quarterback situation, where they're going with the backup, uh, a lot, a lot of, um, I guess, uncertainty pops up for A and M there. Listen, Calzado was in a quarterback battle all off season with Haynes King. Like this, this was a guy that Jimbo Fisher clearly has a lot of respect for. He played pretty well against Colorado. Like he moved the ball well. They didn't run the ball against Colorado, and New Mexico's two and zero for the first time, and I don't even know how long. Like they they don't usually win two games in a season. Mm-hmm. They played New Mexico State, so that doesn't count. But here's what I know: I, I'm gonna I'll say this is playable to thirty. There is going to be a physicality difference on the field, like New Mexico has. Well, they won't see it again all year. Texas A&M has to get right this game. Why did Texas A&M struggle so much first half? Was it against Kent that uh, they just stunk the, the MAC team they played? Or? Yeah, they uh, Kent ran the ball really effectively mm-hmm. against them. That's really what it boiled down to. Uh, but against Colorado, though, listen, Colorado played a good game. They and I think that there was some cute confusion early on um, offensively. They have to get right before they get into SEC play, and they know now. Okay, this is our quarterback going into SEC play. We've got to open up the playbook here. We've got to we've got to make him feel good. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go out and they're going to stomp a hole in this New Mexico team. The physicality difference, like I said, just 
is going to be outrageous. You know, I um, like I like the fact also the when you had the last non-conference game, and it seems to me like the first non-conference game or the second one, oftentimes you know you get some upsets and you get some close games. Sure, but when you get these big mismatches, oftentimes the 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 the, the little school when they get down seventeen, they're like, "Wait, well, we got we got our conference starting." And they just get boat raced. I can tell you, Jimbo Fisher's pissed off. Like mm-hmm. he, he ain't happy with the way that AM's played so far. And they've underperformed. I mean, it's supposed to be like a, a fifth or sixth best team in the country. They haven't looked like it. But I do think this is an opportunity for them to get right against mm-hmm. a, a, a really bad roster. And listen, they've got a, a, a guy in Terry Wilson, a quarterback that transferred from Kentucky, who's actually made them look respectable. I, I think he's he's got some game. But again, I just think in the trenches is where this game is just going to be dominated. The defensive front for AM, the offensive line for AM should just have their way. And it's you're going to see a lot of moving the ball and being disappointed that you couldn't score any points. Colorado had that. Colorado moved the ball and then got nothing. And Colorado's got more talent than New Mexico did. Uh, so I, I think my best bet, uh, rotation number 130, Texas AM, minus 29 and a half, play to minus 30. You know, it's interesting too when you said play to minus thirty. I have I have different guidelines. On a Saturday, if I give out a play, I'm like, you need to get this number. If it if it moves even half a point, probably no good. When you give out numbers on games on Wednesday, I give a lot more um, liberation in terms of the line constraints. I would I'd be. 30 is not important. I'd say good to minus 30 and a half. I like your handicap. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us, Fezzik. Great stuff, man. Looking forward to the uh, – we'll have this out to the people, and then we'll do the Dream Pod. We're, we're set to do that in a couple hours. So we'll go through all the NFL games, get you all the picks for this weekend. Uh, but appreciate you. Appreciate you, McKenzie. Appreciate the audience for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.